Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Episode 3 of Season 3 of the Umbrella Academy, Pocket Full of Lightning, may be over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and with me, worshipping the glowy thing in the basement, is Marissa Garza. Marissa, thanks for joining me. I could really use your help figuring out how to hotwire my briefcase. I'll do my best. I've had to jump a couple cars a couple of times, but uh, briefcases might be a little bit different, but I'll, I'll do what I can. Yeah, I still don't 100% understand the whole briefcase thing. Like in this season, they do a lot of opening it and looking inside. And I'm like, what, what's inside? How They're that- so big. Yeah. And how do you how do you determine where you want to go? Do you just think it? Do you have to pre-program it? I don't know, because it seems like they've implied different things sometimes. Yeah, well, we know in like the first episode, was it the first, second episode? Uh, Lila's like, Berlin, here I come. And then right. in this episode, Five's like, I can't jump more than a few minutes. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Time's uh, a mystery. Time's a mystery. The commission's a mystery. <laughs> we'll get into it. So what did you think of episode three on a second watch? Just big picture. Mm, it's definitely like a, okay, let's move everybody along type of episode it's it wasn't like to me there were some like there are some moments I mean I think there I could always laugh at a picture of Klaus and scuba gear trying to like break into a house I think that will always be like a funny umbrella moment scene for me to think about but nothing that nothing that I put in a briefcase to take to another time zone type of thing it's definitely I think like a bridge between episode two and episode four Yeah, I think so far, based on my memory, if I had to rank them so far, episodes one, two, and three, I would say two is my favorite, then one, and then three. Like three, like you said, it's a, we left off part of the plot, let's move it along. There's a couple funny lines, but there's a lot of kind of just needing to clue each other into what they were doing last episode basically and we do get like the explanation of the grandfather paradox which mm-hmm. i appreciate like that that i could that i'll i'll take from this episode <laughs> yeah at least we have that but i i just feel like coming after episode two which had so many funny moments and action-packed packed moments I don't know. I don't know about this one, but it was okay. <laughs> but we'll we'll get into it. We'll break it down. Of course, up top here, just so everybody knows what the process is, we are covering season three of the Umbrella Academy, episode by episode at this point. If you haven't listened to our binge coverage, definitely go back and listen to that at the end after you listen to all the episodes, because I still think there were some gems in there. But these episodes will be spoiler-filled recaps, meaning that we will be talking about each episode from the perspective of having watched the series in its entirety thus far. So if you don't want to be spoiled up through season three, go finish the season and then come back to join us. But mostly we'll be talking about 
what happened during episode three. Of course, you can follow the Umbrella Academy specific feed at postshowrecaps.com slash umbrella dash academy dash feed or postshowrecaps.com slash super or postshowrecaps.com slash binge. Lots of timelines, lots of feeds to check out. Our recaps Mm. have been dropping about twice a week on your feed through July. And of course, if you have any thoughts and want to join the conversation, you can join the Discord for postshowrecaps.com on Patreon, or you can reply directly to us on Twitter or at super at postshowrecaps.com. You did it. Well done. Gotta get it all out. Well done. That's my first time reading through the whole whole list, so I felt pretty proud of myself. Um, But yeah, like you mentioned... This episode starts with a, I love these, commission training video of what a grandfather paradox is. And I just love the style of how they did this. They say, Paradox Protocols, the Complete Commission Guide to Temporal Anomalies, Chapter 68, The Grandfather Paradox. And then we then we see like a little, I don't know, like a little skit of the mm-hmm. thing. It's like a very like it's definitely the most high production commission instruction we've seen thus far in the in the series as a whole. Um, but I always do appreciate like commission instructions because uh, I was old enough that when I was in school, film strips were a thing, oh. and we had to watch like instructional film strips. Like this is how this works, and it's very like fifties instructional type of situations, and that's what these always remind me of. And it's just like, oh, okay. I don't know what it was and how they produced those film strips, but it like gets into some part of my brain where it's like, pay attention. Like you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be tested on this information. So <laughs> whenever they come on, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. What can I learn? Yeah. And uh, temporal anomalies is also a really great phrase in this whole yeah. thing as well. I had never heard the term like temporal, which I get now. I mean, it means time. But like I had not heard that until watching the movie Tenet, which I'll be mm-hmm. talking about throughout this segment. So just buckle in. If you're not into Tenet, well, you came to the wrong person. Mary Kwiatkowski, number one Tenet super fan. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the video you watch, it explains what the grandfather paradox is. Um, I'd say it's a little bit racy for a company video (laughs) but okay Um, and uh they said that if you accidentally create the grandfather paradox then that can put time space and everything in living peril and they're like good thing that hasn't happened so far yeah i love it that Uh, like with uh, (laughs) vigilance something and strategic violence yeah commission will be able to keep you know keep you safe from the grandfather paradox we've been lucky so far though so you know keep on it so marissa in your own words Mm. what is the grandfather paradox? okay so the grandfather paradox is like okay hey i'm marissa i'm sitting here in 2022 this is a fictional story that i am telling this is not real (laughs) then i (laughs) like say to myself oh hey what if i got really mad at someone in my lineage say my great-grandfather because i never met my great-grandfather got really mad at my great-grandfather and i said hey uh i don't like this man let's go back in time and kill this person then the idea here is okay so i go back in time and i kill this person and then my great-grandfather's never alive. Well, if my great-grandfather's never alive, then my grandfather's never alive. And then my mom's not alive. And then I'm not alive. So how could I go back in time to do the initial, you know, act of violence if I was never born? 
So exactly. that, I mean, I don't know if you were looking for a succinct dancer. You're never really going to get that from <laughs> me, Mary. Uh, but that's, that's kind of uh, how I think of it. Yeah. The paradox is just essentially, you can't go back in time and change something that would then affect your life. Because if your life was affected, how could you have gone back in time and done that thing? I think you here know, it's like different. not just your life. It's like the creation of your life, like your existence. Exactly. So yeah, it's a, it's a paradox. It's, you know, it's unsolvable. It's not something that, right. Uh, yeah. Their paradoxes are built to mess with our brains. And um, if you are a fan of Christopher Nolan movies, you'll know he likes to put paradoxes in a lot of them and Tenet, uh, one of his most recent movies chock full of paradoxes. And uh, the one that they talk about a lot is the grandfather paradox, because that movie has to do not exactly with time travel, but with time sort of manipulation. And uh, the idea there is just, look, you, you can't change. You can't change the past to be a world where we didn't win wouldn't exist today. Right. Then right. How could we have done that to begin with? So we found out in the last episode that that is what the reason why this episode starts off with that is that in the last episode for the, just to catch everybody up is that what that is what five has realized has happened because their mothers have died. Right. And not only died, but died before they were born. It wasn't right. like they exactly. were born and then murdered because that right. maybe would be okay. I mean, not okay. It'd be different. But, you know, that wouldn't be the grandfather paradox. It'd be, be a different the grandfather paradox. paradox. Right, exactly. So I, uh, again, the whole timeline thing, a little frustrating because in a place where the grandfather paradox exists and is a thing that we're talking about, that is usually something that has to do with there being one timeline, which is also how the commission has explained it before, right? Like the commission is out of time and they pop back into different timelines or into the timeline in different places and make sure that the world is happening the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. It's kind of confusing that that can happen and also multiple versions of yourself can be a thing. Because, okay, like, let me, let me think about it this way. Mm -hmm. In the Umbrella Academy season one, mm -hmm. they go through, they live their life. Yep. Then they travel back in time. Yep. To 1960s Dallas. Yes. Okay, then they pop back into the future in nineteen or er, in 2019 again. And they're like, hang on, our other versions of us that ah. would have existed. It's like, well, why are there other versions of them that would have existed? Because it should only be one timeline. Now you've said that you've completely changed the timeline. And I guess what I'm saying is, let's say that this new version from season three, if they popped back into... 1962 are there versions of them from season two walking around again do you know what i'm saying yeah it's yeah, like, like how they're just like cloning themselves essentially by time traveling which is confusing to which me which means there's like a gazillion fives all over the all over time and space because right. they've been all over time and space which i guess makes <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's, it, but it should only be one him. So I can sort of, the five thing I kind of understand more because there's only one version of him. It's just that they're existing throughout time in all these different places. The part that's more confusing is the idea 
they would have gone back to 2019 and there would be like a new different version of them that they have no knowledge of and never lived that uh, life of. Yeah. Do you know do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But there was that one version of five. There was old five. There was old five that one time in the 1960s when he had to fight himself. Yeah, which is also confusing. Yeah, right? <laughs> in the original time, it's like, it, because if that happened, it, already this whole paradox should have existed back in season two, because at the point in time where little you know, young five <laughs> meets back up with older version of five, which was just him like 28 like, days ago or whatever, like 12 days ago at that time, he talks to him, fights with him. And then if you imagine that five goes through the portal to 2019. Mm-hmm. But that five has now fought himself when he was younger. It's not like that always happened. This is now different. And so that should have catalystically changed everything from season one. Which it may have. What if season four is just a retelling of season one, but on a different timeline? (laughs) Don't try to understand it. Okay. So anyway, I also find that this training video is pretty annoying because they're like, here's a thing. Here's a problem. Don't do it but we're not going to give you any solution to like how to fix it in case you do do it. It's kind of just like, Oh, cross your fingers. Like that's what you need to do at the end is just cross your fingers and hope it never happens. Yeah. So anyway, that's the basis of what is starting to unravel a lot of things. And I, I think, I mean, I guess that's kind of the point having understood the, the entirety of season three at this point, everything we just talked about and killed our brains over with all this time travel. Mm-hmm. The, the answer to all this of how it makes sense is just, it doesn't, the world is crumbling. There's a glowy thing in the basement because of all this stuff that's happened that shouldn't make sense. And all of this going back in time and changing things, it's causing a lot of problems. Yeah. I think it was just like, okay, for this season, this is what, how we're going to explain what's happening. Go. Not like, you know try what? To- figure it out hold on i just thought of another thing (laughs) okay in the beginning of season one before Mm -hmm. season one even happens five jumps forward into time into the apocalypse yes he does because of the death and destruction he sees in the apocalypse that shapes everything he then does yes moving forward Yes. However, when he goes back in time and comes to 2019, because of the events that they do there, Apocalypse still happens, but everyone's alive at this point. Like, he saves all their lives, essentially. Yes. Because when he was in the future, he saw all their dead bodies. Yes. So we've already changed things. We've already messed with the timeline. Yes. Okay. Anyway, I thought you were that- going to say, and then there became Zombie, zombie uh, Umbrella Academy, because then... Like the dead versions of season one came back to life because of what has happened with the Kugelblitz in here. Like what if the Kugelblitz powers, who knows? Who knows where we're going? We have no idea. Anyway, so where we left off last last episode uh, was that Luther and Sloan were dancing on the ceiling, if you know what (laughs) I mean. Um, So we've got a little bit. This is really the only main song reference in the episode is when they're playing Do You Believe in Magic? Well, and dancing on the ceiling. Well, yeah. Well, they don't play it. I was very upset. They were talking about it. it. Yeah. There was a lot of referencing songs and tiny little bits of songs when Luther was making mixtapes later. But at this point, this is really the only like sequence Ah, with a a major song in it. Um, The uh, 
Luther's real jazzed and he's um, going to buy some uh, contraceptive in order to, I don't know, continue dancing on the ceiling. That's because he does that now. Yeah, he does that now. 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 I don't know if this, (laughs) I mean, yes, this is a thing I do now. He's so proud. Oh, Luther. (laughs) Um, And uh, the the energy pulse from the basement goes out again. And and this is the first time we see episode three. We're already murdering people. (laughs) The Google Blitz is already happening. Um, We find out throughout the episode from like radio and, and news and stuff that like, it's not just this guy, like hundreds of people across the city and probably farther are, well, maybe, I don't know. We sort of see the pulse go out and sort of retract and it's going out a little farther each time. So at this point, maybe it is only in the city. Well, and no, because they went to Amish country and they got the cows in Pennsylvania. That's true. That was in Pennsylvania. So yeah, it's going out at least that far. So I'm sure it's like by at Ohio by now. I don't know, you know? Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, the rest of the Umbrella Academy is discussing the fact that their moms have all uh, died and the paradox that they created. And this is kind of the start of Allison getting real, like, this is where it starts yelling five. <laughs> yeah, she's like, You keep dragging us through hell because you're obsessed with the apocalypse. And, you know, I just want to go home. And he's like, This is our home. Deal with it. And it's like, Okay, you're not being very sensitive. But also, Allison, I think, is very much clearly like clinging to like a false hope that they can somehow just easily write everything. But I don't even know what writing everything would be. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely in a vengeful frame of mind, right? Like just basically she's going to blame everybody for everything and she's going to keep her eyes focused on wanting to get Claire back. Like that's the only thing. However, I, for this, the storyline, I think for me, just still rubs me the wrong way because we never saw, at least I don't remember, any inkling of her getting rageful or acting in this way in prior seasons. So to me, it is just such a like, who is this person? How, why, all empathy is gone. And I understand that the the point that the show is trying to make is that like, hey, everybody, this is a traumatic event and this is how Allison's responding to it. It just still isn't connecting for me even on the second watch yeah the closest we got was her she she sort of snapped at vanya a couple times in the first season like why are you even here you don't know anything about caring about people you always push people away yeah but this is a little more like angry than it is sort of i don't know snappy but yeah that's that's happening um i just thought again (laughs) okay Mm -hmm. this is not a thing but this is how I wish time travel worked. And this is how I feel like Allison kind of hoped time travel worked would basically be like you travel back in time. And then when you come back to the future, you could say like, let's all pop back into our existence. Like before the apocalypse happened in 2019, but like basically that when you would travel back, you would somehow pop back into your life and that the Mm. you that was living like that, you're just them. Like your consciousness would travel. Right not like creating a new version of yourself coexisting in the timeline. Well, there are some people that would say that that does happen. Like when deja vu, like when I get deja vu, it could be just my consciousness went somewhere and now I'm back here. And it's like, Oh, that's the thing that I remember, you know, like I not saying like one, I don't know anything about time travel. 
I don't, I've never done it physically. I have no idea what happens, but I think there is a way I think there, you know, I think that is a way to look at time travel. I don't think it's like when you said this is not how time travel works, like in Umbrella Academy, I think it could work. I think the problem with that is it implies that you can only travel through, well, that, that time traveling would also like erase the future. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway. Well, and one thing I think that is something to keep an eye on as we watch through this, and I know this uh, was brought up in the Discord as well, is just kind of whose reality are we jumping into when we're time jumping? So, like, when time jump one happens, we all went to 1960s. Why did we go to 1960s? Who, like, but five was in charge of that jump, right? He hmm. was in charge of this jump, but like at the end of season three, it, is this Allison's reality? Like, whose reality is this? Or is it Reggie's? Or is know. it Reggie's? Yeah, exactly. Or both of them? Just something to, yeah. to think about. I don't know. So it seems like at this point, though, Allison's upset, but the only one who's really upset about their moms is Klaus. Mm -hmm. and this is when he does the, like, this is Rachel. Don't I look like her? And all <laughs> that. And, and the rest of them are like, yeah, whatever. Our, our mom is Grace, and she also doesn't exist in this timeline. Um, or at least not in the same way. Yeah. It's interesting that they haven't put two and two together yet of like, we, of the fact that they, they know they created a paradox and they know their moms died. And then they're like, maybe Reggie murdered them. It's like, no, the paradox probably did. Come on, people get on board. Like <laughs> you have all the pieces. <laughs> Just but put it the wasn't two together. Well, it wasn't this paradox that did it. It was the last paradox. That impacted right. this paradox. Isn't it all the same paradox? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's, it's all, a big ball of twine. It's, it's a big ball of yeah, twine. It's, it's the world's connected. biggest ball of twine, you might even say. Mm -hmm. So uh, Luther comes back, and this is some of the – a lot of the humor comes from, like, little Luther moments in this yeah. episode. Um, everyone it's like, oh, wow, you're late. He's like, D didn't anyone notice that I was kidnapped for the last day? I was like, no, totally did not notice. He's like, oh, yeah. yeah, oh, so glad you made it back safe oh yeah M meanwhile at the sparrow academy um ben is just he's just such an angry boy in this season <laughs> and uh he really wants to be the new number one there's sort of this guise of like wanting to fight the spare the umbrella academy because they took marcus but none of them really seem to like care about marcus which i feel like is a little contradictory toward the idea they were trying to put off to Luther last time, which is like, we're a cohesive unit. But I think that's very much like we're a team, like a company, but we're not a family. We don't have right. like personal relationships with each other, but we do have loyalty, at least until someone's gone. And then <laughs> we don't really care. We care about avenging them, but we don't care about actually finding them. <laughs> Well, why do we care about avenging them? Do we care about avenging them because their faces are on merchandise and we need to sell merchandise? Or do we care Maybe about avenging that. them because we actually care? I mean, this is an interesting conversation because there's a lot of, you know, times in my life where I've been at a workplace where it's told like work is family. And so kind of looking at looking at the Sparrow Academy through that lens is pretty interesting for me. I mean, if you asked Michael Scott, he would say that work exactly. and family are the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Well, and so many times, you know, it's like, we're a family here. And I'm like, 
Are we though? <laughs> Pretty oh sure I God. do this so that I can get back to my actual family. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, that's just one lens that I look at the sparrows with is like, oh, they're they're a corporate family. They're not family family. Yeah. And family comes up a lot in this episode too. Diego's like, what's more important than family? It's it's interesting because we saw so much in the first episode about like their fans, their merchandise, their faces are on billboards everywhere. And yet you would think that they would be thinking like, we need, like, how are we going to do Like, we need to give a press conference. Like Marcus could be dead. But I guess at this point they just think he's kidnapped at least until the end of the episode. So uh, Faye says that at one point Ben was number one, but that didn't go well. And this is something by the end of the season, we still don't really know much about this. We still Ben is still a big mystery in any timeline. We know that it had something to do with, is it Jennifer? I wrote Jennifer, but mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, it's okay. Jennifer. Jennifer. And this seemed kind of like a retcon because later in the season, like different Umbrella Academy members are going to be like, oh yeah, like what would happen with Jennifer? We never heard about Jennifer in the first two seasons. Nope. Yeah. So I don't know just, if this is new. Like the first mystery of Ben is how did he die? The second mystery of Ben is what happened when he was a sparrow and couldn't lead. And the right. third mystery is who is this Jennifer person? And is, are they all connected? I guess it's the same they are. But, uh, you know, we don't know until the story continues in one we way, don't. shape, or form. Yeah. Um, so Ben and Faye kind of argue, but he's kind of trying to talk her into being like, look, if I move up to number one, now you're number two. And I guess that's how that works. I don't know. <laughs> um, it also seems like if you harm the birds that Faye releases, that that also like affects Faye. So like, yes, she's got more power, but she's also more vulnerable maybe. Because he's mm-hmm. sort of like grabbing one of the birds, and like choking it. And she seems sort of immobilized because of that. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the whole insight into Faye's room was also very interesting to me. It's very tall, very like bird cagey yeah. type of thing. And um, I just like, when the birds eat, are you eating? How does this I don't work? Know. I don't know. They're sort of all one entity, it seems like. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, and, and Grace is going to walk by and be like, oh, Marcus isn't kidnapped by the Umbrella Academy. God took Marcus in the basement. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Grace. Like, they they don't pay attention to her at all at this point. Uh, oh, poor Grace. They um, just like, uh, well, she comes in the room and she's like, can I clean it? And Ben's like, do it quickly. Like, they don't care. Like, even before she's like, hey, God's so in rude. the basement. They really just don't really like her for some yeah. reason. How times have changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's interesting that Grace as a robot still exists in this universe, even though. Reggie gonna Reggie. That's all I got. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. So um, we see the old man from the first episode check into the hotel, Lester Pocket, who we later find out is Harlan. And Quick um, question. Do we know why he's named Lester Pocket? So in... A future episode when they do the flashback to Sissy and Harlan, we see that Sissy okay. changes her name to like Donna Pocket, and so I guess she changed his name to Lester Pocket. Lester, oh. I know. No I offense know. to any Lesters out there, but Lester, geez, you have a chance to change your kid's name and you go with Lester. Uh, anyway, I mean, her name was Sissy, so I don't, yeah, I yeah. don't know. Uh, later, we see Lester eating one of the sandwiches he packed, and he's like listening to the tapes, and then he puts on like a 
stethoscope and is listening to his stomach grumbling. I don't even know if by the end of the season we quite understand why he does this sort of ritual of like listening to things. Yeah, did I think we did. That? Yeah, I think I, I think I have an inkling. Okay. Uh, he is very into picking up people's vibrations. So listening to different vibrations, if he told himself like Vanya sounds like bees, then I'm going to listen to bees until I can like be closer to be closer ah. to that vibration or um and i say vanya because that's who they is- were to harlan at the time until Why now bees? i had well, there was he was listening to bees on the bus in episode one when he got on the bus it, it was a tape oh. bees and then like today he was listening to like today today in the episode today in the episode he was listening to like um aboriginal or like chants like like very it seems like throat singing yeah yeah so very low low frequency so i wonder if he just has the acute ability to know what everyone's frequency is and use that as like a gps yeah home yeah, honing in or homing in some way it's interesting i was thinking it was more of a like way to it seems like he has not very much control over his ability. So I thought maybe like sort of listening to something and tuning out the other noises might be a way, but yeah, this I is think interesting. That's part of it too, because in season two, we know that he, like he does not like a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's also like a coping mechanism and then like listening to his own stomach is like finding himself, like listening to himself type of thing. Like none of this on first pass hit me. It wasn't until like I watched the whole season and there's the scene in the drive-in where he kind of explains how um, vibration plays a big part in his powers. Good point. Well, we'll talk more about it because we got more Harlan coming up. Yep. Yep. But at this point, uh, Victor and Allison are going to meet with Ben and Faye. Um, They want the briefcase back. Chronologically in the episode, this is kind of annoying because at this point, (laughs) We know that Lila has the briefcase and the briefcase doesn't work, but the, they're just horrible at communicating with each other. So <laughs> they don't know this. Um, Allison calls Faye a flock of sheagles and Ben laughs. It's, it's that, that would be good too. Good one. Um, it would be a little better if Faye's hair was like flock of seagulls, but it's, it's okay. It's <laughs> um, Allison does sort of pretend that they have Marcus as like a bargaining chip, um, which definitely takes Victor like throws Victor yeah. off because um, I think Victor's whole plan was like, why don't we just go be honest and be nice and they'll understand. Well, based well, on know. like the conversations that Victor's had with Marcus, like that's what they think right. will work, you know? And, and I, I think Victor's just really focused on getting back to, to Sissy and understands that Allison is hurting, but also is kind of like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And Allison is like really determined. She's like, no, I don't care. Like let, let them think that we have him. Yeah. So when they talk about this after Victor's like, I understand why you're hurt. I also want to get home to sissy or find a way to, you know, make this all work out. Um, but we need to be more of a team. We can't keep improvising. And there are some moments here. Allison is like very positive. Like, yeah, I've got a badass little brother, like all that you know, is it's not like Allison is like full angry all the time. It's just, we're definitely starting to get that change. That's going to lead to where we get by the end of the season. Yeah. I'm on the second watch. I did have to question. I was like, was that genuine or was that her 
manipulating Victor to just Ooh. be around Allison because Allison's power is very powerful, but it's even more powerful with Victor's power. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. I think I was trying to think of it from the more positive perspective of like maybe this is, you know, it could both could be true. Both could be yeah, true. Yeah, I don't you know, know. Like Allison could be like, I really, really care about Victor, and this is what I think. But also, it's also convenient that Victor's around at the same time. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I will. I will say, you know, we've been talking about this a lot. We're not the only ones that over overall, like on the internet, I've seen most people just be very frustrated with what what happened with Allison this season. Um, it's, it's hard, sad. I think, for me as an audience because I want to feel. I want to f- feel for Allison. I think it's just something, like I said, the fact that it's just such a stark difference and such a stark contrast. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, it reminds me of Game of Thrones a little bit. It's yeah, just kind of like, whoa, okay, we're here now. This is this is how we're going. And I, I am not given enough time to build empathy for Allison, which I've had two seasons to really build empathy towards in another way. Right. So it's just kind yeah. of like, like oh, okay. I guess we're here. Interesting. Um, it, it really does seem like Allison is clutching at this idea that mm-hmm. they could go home. And I'm, I'm curious to know what you think. Where where does Allison think that she is going to travel with a briefcase to, to write this? Well, she wants Claire to exist. So I think she thinks, because I think she mentions this a number of times through the episode, that like she never should have left 1960s. Oh, you think she's just going to go back to the 1960s? Yeah, because that means that like Claire does exist in that timeline, even if she's not with her, and then just hang with Ray. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I haven't heard any other like hypotheses from her. But I also, I think as we talked about in a previous episode, I don't know how... Allison knows that there is a Claire in the 1960s universe. I also think that like, we don't know that this traveling into the future has not changed the past. Right. Like in the original 2019 timeline, you imagine that Ray and Sissy had existed and they had their own separate lives. When you've gone back in time, their lives have probably drastically changed. I mean, for sure, Harlan's life and Sissy's life changed. You know, but they probably just stayed on the farm and chilled forever. And so if you go then into the future and then back into the past, who knows what version of Ray and Sissy and whoever is there? And also, who knows what version of 2019 existed? So who knows where Claire is? That doesn't guarantee anything. I I really feel like the whole lesson here should be you can mess up time in all directions every time you change and there's no way to get back to where you were, essentially. Well, then, like, as a human and... As an audience member, I can take that and translate it to the only thing I have right now is the present moment. And that's what I can be grateful for. Can't change the past. Yeah. Have to accept where I am and make the most of it. Yeah. Uh, Later after the scene, Faye and Ben are going to find Grace in the basement and are going to see the glowy thing. And she tells them it took Marcus and it might take others. So at least at this point... They know them home. Yeah. And so at this point, Faye and Ben at the least either know that Allison lied or that (laughs) they know that these two things cannot both be true. So they're a little bit confused here. But um, as we continue to talk about the Umbrella Academy and everything that's happening with uh, with Klaus, which is one of my favorite scenes in this, Mm -hmm. let's take a quick break first. 
Okay, back from the break. This reminded me a lot of the cars driving in the opposite direction from (laughs) season two. I've seen a lot of memes posted about Klaus walking through the hotel in the like weird hat goggles and uh, trench coat and then later getting into the (laughs) getting into the I don't know what this is sewers pipes of some sort outside the umbrella academy in in snorkeling gear like where did he get this yeah that was my first question was like where do you get this especially i mean i think we brought it up a little bit earlier but like they had no money so unless klaus like stuffed stuff in the hotel like past klaus like left him stuff um but yeah this is something that uh diana brought up in the discord which was like how do they how do they have money now? In the first episode, Luther had to trade his watch for hotel rooms. <sighs> I think we brought it up last time. We just have to kind of assume they got money somewhere somehow. Or because otherwise the rest of the season doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, we know in this episode Diego at least has eight dollars. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we got there, but yes, money's coming from somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so it seems like Klaus has done this before because he kind of is like, ah, you know, like the the smell of my youth or something. <laughs> I don't know why he was doing this. Takes me back. This takes, takes me, me back. back. Yeah. So he's going to go into the Academy in order to talk to Reggie because he's on a singular mission by himself this episode to figure out whether or not Reggie might have murdered their parents. And uh while talking with Reggie, Alfonso and Jamie come in and bring him pills and bills, as they say. And the dynamic here is so interesting. We've talked about it a little bit before, but we really get the full scene here of a very different Reggie. And I think the main thing I want to talk about is, given everything that we've seen throughout season three, how does this factor into Reggie's plan? Like, without Klaus having come here and talked to Reggie and told him how to stop taking the pills and things like that. Would we ever have gotten to oblivion? Because it just seems mm. like Reggie was kind of coasting or was I, you know, I think like you'd have to go back to the Pogo leaving the medicine situation to get to oblivion. I think Pogo was the, the, wall for lack of a better term and stopping until the pills run out unless the pills run out i don't know how they've been i don't know what type of they they look like pretty funky pills i don't know where they're getting them from yeah i so it seems like reggie because i think we kind of determined like he clearly his full plan was adopt seven children in order to do project oblivion seven children with superhero abilities and then Oops, he got, you know, sidetracked or or whatever. Like a, the wall was built by Pogo and then the sparrows giving him these pills. And <laughs> so I guess Klaus and the Umbrella Academy coming here sort of put him back on track, removed the blocker. Right. Hmm. Right. Right. And I don't know if that was like inten- like intentional. I don't want to yeah. give like I don't I don't want to give Reggie godlike powers, right? Like, I know, I my, my first instinct was to give him a lot of credit and be like, he somehow knew this was going to happen, but that just seems. I mean, the only thing that version of Reggie knew is like when the next episode of TJ Hooker was coming on, like he didn't really know <laughs> much else. Yeah. And he's, he's not 
a superhero. Although he is an alien. He is an alien. <sighs> that that part, you know, he, that part may have been. He may have been in the super motherboard of the of the universe one day and knew that this was gonna play out this way, I guess. If I'm gonna give any credit, it's to the motherboard, it's not to Reggie. <laughs> yeah. We're we're also gonna get a lot of foreshadowing to the rest of the season in this scene. We see that there is a painting of a white buffalo on the wall yeah. in Reggie's study, which I guess Klaus also notices. And then we see uh that he's the spiritual one, you know. Right, yes. So uh, <laughs> and when Reggie falls asleep, he mumbles the word oblivion as well. So any other thoughts on this whole scene and this interaction? I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the like um rekindling not really the first formation of a father-son relationship between these two characters and also like just the emotional maturity coming from klaus kind of understanding oh hey reggie you've been traumatized i've been traumatized i know what that's like let me help you type of thing um i i just i really liked seeing the growth from klaus in this in the scene the scene like a very growth point for him a very big growth point. like from a in the whole 28 days perspective not in the how many years we've been watching this tv show perspective yeah this is our sort of third sequence so one from each season of klaus interactions with reggie we had the klaus going to the barbershop in in limbo or whatever with reggie we had the klaus meeting oh, with, the re- with the rest of the family when they all mm-hmm. met up with Reggie in season two. And then this one, um, we've also had a lot of Luther and Reggie and Diego and Reggie, uh, almost no Allison Reggie individual interactions. Good. Not, Good not observation. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the, the Victor Vanya stuff only really in flashbacks from childhood. There, there haven't been a whole lot of other. Right. Other ones. I was trying to think. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was trying to formulate some sort of, oh, you know what? I just said there was no Alice and Reggie stuff, but I guess there is in this season, isn't there? Like they when they team up. I mean, it's like oh, very yeah, much yeah, at the yeah. end. And we don't see as much of it. A lot of it's sort of like what Five thinks is happening or, or overhears. But yeah. anyway, so at least we're getting more awareness to what the situation in the basement is because Klaus is going to follow the noise down to the basement and see Grace worshiping and Klaus is like whoops well and he's also just like wow like he's like in awe of the situation but also like if I saw this like this is another big point of the whole series or season for me it's like Klaus you're not going to tell anybody after you see this thing I mean, he's also Klaus, so, like, I get it. Like, if out of all of them, this one makes the most sense to not tell anybody. Um, But also, like, you were just wow and an odd, and you were in your old... Like, hey, do you guys remember this big glowy ball thing in the basement? Like, anything like that, and we don't get anything um, from him on that. Yeah, I'll have to track that over the next couple episodes, because I guess I just assumed that that was something that that he tells them at the beginning of the next episode, but I don't think it is. I think you're right. I think that doesn't come for a little while. Yeah. He's like, so, oh, yeah. like in a couple yeah. episodes, he's like, oh, yeah, by the way. Yeah. 
so meanwhile, while this is happening, Luther and Diego, everybody's kind of separated this episode. Luther and Diego are prepping for the sparrows, but in very different ways because Diego is hanging out with Stan, who just wants to hang out with Diego, but he's uh, doing security detailing of the hotel and he gives Stan eight bucks to go chill in the city, which is just some really great parroting. Yeah, it was like eight bucks is like a, a week's allowance for a kid. Yeah. What kid? No. What can you get for eight bucks these days? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you could go to. I guess get like candy, I guess. Maybe yeah, uh, candy. <laughs> I don't know. No, but yeah, like uh, Diego figuring out parenting this episode was pretty funny. It was. it was. I funny. would say mastering at mastering. this point. Mastering. <laughs> Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Luther is making a mixtape for Sloan. Um, wait, where did he get all these tapes and this equipment? Like this, I think, okay, maybe let's let's expand. We were curious about the money thing. Maybe this hotel is just kind of magical. I think it's a magic hotel. Yeah, for sure. Because it was built by Alien, Reggie Man, and he probably put everything that's needed. Th- also, I will say if some resorts, not necessarily hotels will have like random stuff for you to play with. Like this is not a, can I have a deck of cards moment, but it could be like, Hey, do you have any, first of all, audio cassettes, where are you going to get them? Second of all, well, like, I mean, go ahead. I, yeah. I, it's the, it's the, like as someone who has done a lot of converting of media, like you need a lot of equipment to do yeah. this. So I don't know. Cause but, you, but, in this case, for those of you who don't know about audio cassettes, how to do this, you'd need two cassette players and you'd have to play one and record the other and then flip it out and do the whole thing and pray that you had enough space on your tape to get the last song that you wanted at the end, because sometimes it would just cut off because you ran out space and that was travesty travesty i don't know why you don't make a mix cd because they were much easier but if or you're going for vibes i guess playlist. like no like I, this is 2019 <laughs> i don't know make a very stop talking Spotify so playlist <sighs> whatever <laughs> so this is like the third activity though that we've seen in the same location in the hotel earlier we saw them playing pool and then uh, later on in the episode, they'll be playing Mahjong. So, like, the hotel is just churning out random activities. So, yeah, and I, also I it's, like, it magical. well, we know it's magical because we see old historical figures walking around many times. Did you times. catch any more? I didn't catch any more, but we get, you know, Teddy Roosevelt at the beginning. We get, you know, just random old people. So, I, at first, when we first got into the hotel, I was like, is this a retirement home for dead people like i didn't know <laughs> what we were looking at so i think there are some magical qualities and we do see that on the other end of this it is quite magical yes there's a lot of magic happening yeah so i'm kind of surprised still that luther moved on from allison so fast yeah because victor comes up to luther and is like hey allison and i are gonna go do this thing we're going to go get the briefcase back. And Luther's like, thank you for taking care of her. And I'm like, but you were just like madly deeply in love with her. I don't yeah. understand. Like that's all of the emotion that we get between like from Luther regarding Allison in this episode, at least. 
Yeah, there's definitely going to be more that happens in the next few episodes, but it's just interesting up to this point that, like, based on the first two seasons where a huge part of Luther's character was crushing on Allison, that we just up and forgot it. It's gone. Yeah. Um, and I kind of don't know how I feel about that, especially because they invested so much time into, like, flashing back to them as kids having a bond. I don't know. But um, <laughs> Diego clues Luther in about uh, Victor now. And Luther's like, what else did I miss when I kidnapped? <laughs> what happened? And so um, Luther is going to share with Diego about Sloan and how the sparrows are coming. And it's going to be fun. Like, yeah, they're all, they're all really cool. You should meet them. They're so, they're so nice. <laughs> and meanwhile, Diego was like, no, 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 no. We need to fight. We need to prep for this. Like, get get your, you know, act together. I did love when uh, Diego found out that Luther was making the mixtape. He's like, it's for the enemy. Like, he's very, like, oh, he's I very, can't believe like, doing yeah, this. Focused. It's funny. So um, Stan still trying to hang out with Diego while Diego's making Molotov cocktails, which he hides around the lobby of the hotel. And I feel like we never see these go off. So I've decided we're on Molotov watch to see if this ever happens. You mean, like, in future seasons? Like in future episodes, like is there ever a sequence of like giant mm. explosions where all the Molotov cocktails are going off because they're just like hidden randomly throughout the hotel in like potted think, plants? Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, good planning. I do love having my needed tools by me at all times. So it is good planning on Diego's part. I mean, I guess if you know that like the fight's going to happen in this location, I guess Diego's like, yeah, it'd be really cool to just like you know, have your back up against a wall and like, oh no, you've lost all your knives. Mm-hmm. Cocktail. So I don't know. Uh, Luther wants to throw Victor a party to show they are loved and welcome as brothers. And Diego's like, no, just roll with it. Victor walks up. Diego's like, hey, do you feel loved? Victor's like, yeah. Victor's And Diego says, good, you are. All right, let's get back to work. <laughs> I loved everything about this game. That. It was so I, cute. I, I loved it so much because like Luther, Luther, like really wants to throw a party he goes like you just want to throw a party <laughs> what what do you have against tiny sandwiches like <laughs> like all of this all of this stuff but then also like just again showing just you know how this like a transition of someone in your life doesn't have to be a big deal and love is the most important ingredient. and i love when luke is like hey i really like your hair if i know face. <laughs> number 10 good choice he's just so happy it's so cute um yeah so then uh this is where we can talk about the the lila and five stuff sure. and their kind of plot line just because i want to end on the on the big scene but mm-hmm. yeah so lila and five they're going to have a battle while lila's taking a taking a bath yeah, kind of a odd I don't know if we needed that part, but okay. I don't know. Um, they're they're popping around. They're doing their little mimic thing where they're jumping around the bathroom, and then they kind of like, okay, well, we're too evenly matched, so I guess we need to work together <laughs> to fix the briefcase situation. Um, and yeah, because five like comes in looking for the briefcase. It's like, yo, where's the briefcase? It's just like, oh, hey, just like go get me my clothes over there. And this is how he finds out that both briefcases are. God, it's really like obvious now on second watch that this is because the commission is no longer like it's very but I remember on first watch it was like what is going on with these with these briefcases? Yeah, at first I thought it was more like their powers got revoked or something, but mm. no. Or their privileges. Um so 
Lila is also going to, at the point where she agrees to go work with Five, uh, Diego's like, wait, hey, you can't just, like, leave the kid with me. And she's like, actually, I can. He was with me for over a decade so you need to just buck up be a dad i don't know what did you think of all these scenes on the rewatch knowing that stan is mm. not actually diego's son yeah they didn't hit the same as they did for me the first time because the first time i watched i was like yeah Lila, yeah that yeah. makes sense like that makes sense that, that's a good point point. and when you um, think about it now it's like lila why are you trusting diego with your friend's kid yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I do and and also I do feel for Stan for being like part like a pawn in this whole thing. Is uh, Stan a pawn? I mean, well, he's a pawn in he's that he's going to die. But like yeah. is he a pawn in that like it seems like he's in on it and is just kind of having fun. Well, yeah, but he's also a child. Like that Well, there's the, that. <laughs> that part. <laughs> that part's where I feel like, hey, what kid is what kid is going to turn down a time traveling adventure with uh his mom's friend? You know what I mean? Um and get to hang out with this cool dude who throws knives? Like that that sounds like something I don't know. It's I've the never dream. been <laughs> one, Yeah, it's one of the things kids like, I guess. But um so I don't blame him for going, but like being used in this manipulation of emotions on Diego's part, I do feel a little like he does play into it because when Lila's like, hey, it's been it's been 10 days for you, but it's been 10 decades or a decade for me or something. Like that. I've slept with many, 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 many men. And Stan's like, yeah, many, many. many like, so men. he plays into it but yeah. and he has fun with it. But I still, you know, especially in this part where I know that Lila's lying let's go around i'm like oh, just have a conversation lila yeah. it's not as fun it's not as well, fun for sure they can't they can't now i don't really understand how but somehow they managed to huh. like jumpstart the briefcases well first they decide to try and jumpstart it like a car so they take like actual cables and attach it to an electrical source and then put it onto a, a briefcase which lila admits she knows isn't going to work and just like basically electrocutes five for fun, I guess. Um, but then they like decide they realize that they have energy. They are energy source that is like also, I guess, from the same frequency or could be used on this on the briefcase, I guess. So they end up like holding hands with the briefcase. Lila mimics five's powers and basically tries to hotwire that way instead. Yeah, I don't I don't quite understand how this worked because if the commission is gone and this is why the briefcase aren't working why would they be able to be fixed this way i don't know how briefcases work so i cannot help i cannot help you in this case i don't know if there's like like uh like a a homing beacon that they can like turn on <laughs> it's like the only place they could go back is is the commission you know like if if the commission is dead i mean five would know because we know that five is the founder Five that's I'm, you know what we'll have to talk about that in another episode because i still don't quite i need to wrap my mind a little bit more around how that all makes sense yeah. um they do have a conversation where lila is like still upset about five killing her birth parents and for letting the swedes kill the handler i think this is also pointing to some evidence that maybe lila has not actually been by herself for a decade like she's says that she was because this is all still pretty fresh for her but mm -hmm. five is like look diego loves you and the handler didn't and she tried to kill you and you should really just concentrate on the people that actually care about you this time 
Yeah, which is, uh, I think, something Five has had to deal with in his own life many times. This is why you just should fall in love with mannequins instead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Makes more sense. So they travel to the commission, and it's very snowy, and we're going to find out in the next episode that it's it's sort of abandoned and crumbling. I don't did really you, quite did understand you know it was how the commission. This did you know it was the commission the first the first go around? Because I, I was like. We're on Hoth or something. I have no idea. (laughs) No, I did because it's got that sort of very recognizable dome-shaped building that's Mm. um, we've seen a couple every other time they've gone to the commission. So I recognized it, but it's curious how the grandfather paradox affected the commission because it didn't like wipe it out of existence. It seems to have sort of like attacked it. Yeah, yeah, or like crumbled it and. Well, and since the commission, I believe, exists in the. 50s i think is like when i think that makes sense i think sense. that was when it, it's like so the so the past is also crumbling along with the with the present well and i think that's what five kind of explains when um he realizes that both briefcases aren't working it's like time is going to collapse on itself like yeah. because there's no commission there's no timeline, which means we're basically going to fold in. I mean, like at this knowing now, it's like, you're going to fold in like in a black hole. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, Man, this, this is bad. This is much worse than the apocalypse. Yes. So then we get the battle between the sparrows and well, I don't even know if you can call it a battle, but the, the face the off, that, the, the confrontation. Yeah. Confrontation um, between the sparrows and at least some of the Umbrella Academy, Victor, Alice, and Diego, and Luther, who are there. Mm-hmm. I love how the sparrows are all in uniform. Also, the Umbrella Academy people have kind of like just started all wearing black. Over the last yeah, except for like Diego's got like a khaki vest, which was an interesting yeah. choice in my mind. But on the sparrow uniforms, I have to say creative use of zippers. Like I think Jamie's zipper like go like wraps around her uniform, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. So shout out to the costume designers out there. Well done. Yeah, I love, I always love when a group is wearing like almost the same thing, but slightly different variations. Mm. Love that. Even in their workout gear, when they were running on the treadmills, they all had like the same color, but like slightly different shorts or sports bras or whatever. Love that. Um, Sloan tries to signal to Luther to run away, but he's a huge dum-dum and he's like, what? Bun? It was so funny because she's like mouthing run and he's like, bun? No. Bun? How, bun. What sense does that make, Luther? What's I don't know. Maybe he thought it was a pet name. Like or like she's telling him that she's pregnant. No, like, she's not. Like, she can't find out you're pregnant in one day. Well, I mean, I mean, they're they're they got superpowers, are, and yeah, there's a know. grandfather paradox. Who knows? But <sighs> imagine just, instead of being like I'm pregnant, you're like bun, bun, there's a bun, bun in the oven. <laughs> Uh, Victor tries to just talk it out, but the sparrows are like, no, let's fight. And then Stan runs down with a, a flame. I guess he's got a Molotov cocktail. And then he like accidentally lights the hotel on fire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like this was classic kid. Classic like, Stan. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what is the kid going to do if you give them a Molotov cocktail? I forgot to mention it earlier, but like the scene where they're all trying to have a serious conversation and Stan is in the corner, like quote unquote practicing his karate. This is Cobra Kai. Yeah. (laughs) Diego And Diego Diego keeps yelling at him and is like, stop. Then now is not time for your karate. And he's like, Mom said that I need to practice. And Diego's like, You do, you suck. (laughs) It's really funny. Oh man, I really, really thought I was gonna hate Stan. This is like the (laughs) biggest 
the biggest uh, change of expectations was just in uh, in how much I love Stan. So then Christopher the Cube does something like electrocuty to the to the brains of the people. I as, really know a, what he's doing. Uh, as a player of the Dungeons and Dragons, this is what I think is uh, psychic damage. So I think this oh, is like okay, cool. It is damage to their to their yes. brains, but I think that's you know the technical term for it. Oh yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, you know, come to these podcasts for Marissa's D and D references yeah. and my tenant references. That's where <laughs> we're really, really where we're at. Lester then runs down the stairs and he does like a giant little blasty blast. Um, it's because they're sort of in two staggered lines. Faye and Christopher and Ben avoid the blast, but Jamie and Alfonso take it full on, and Luther pushes Sloan out of the way, who was also in the front line. Yeah, like, let's talk about this a little bit. So Lester not only just, like, comes in and does a, like, he's walking, and then, like, you can see energy, like, energy is, the Blasty Blast is coming out of everywhere. Like, it's not just, like, it's not like a Cyclops Blasty Blast or from the boys where they have the laser eyes. It's not like a Victor where they have, you know, Well, Victor kind of also does, like, their whole body. Yeah, but I think, like, like, I saw that, like, it was coming out of, like, all all of the places so i was like oh this is a very powerful person you know like i was a little afraid and it's a wave of energy like there was no control i don't think in there's control to a point but it also was like a widespread energy blast that apparently only went to a certain height like it didn't go down like you could could get under it comes at you like head height and so the other one's kind of avoided by just dropping to the ground but because alfonso and jamie caught it like right in their faces their faces start to like i don't burn know, melt, melt and burn yeah and then and they um and they collapse and we find out later they they did yeah yeah i thought that was really interesting because i was totally expecting on on you know on the first watch of this i was expecting all sparrows all umbrella academy all the time all the way yeah. um and we you know, this makes sense why we see not that the scene, we didn't love the scene in season two of the fight with Jamie and Alfonso before, but this makes sense from a show production standpoint. Like, let's put these people in the front of the story because we know they're not necessarily going to make it to the end of the story. So. And I know that you have a lot of characters and you need to trim down some of them, but I'm still shocked that we lose Marcus after one episode and that we lose Jamie and Alfonso in one swoop in this episode. Yeah, and I I would say... I really wanted more Jamie. I also liked Alfonso. Like, I thought he was pretty fun. And I don't know if you could look at this as like, was this Ben's plan? Was this another... Not... Was it Ben's plan to get, you know to have two of his siblings die but ben's leadership here is not that great he's like he comes in he has everybody line up and then he's like hey we're here and then he's like christopher attack and then retreat that's it like we never see him go on the attack we never see him do anything like that so i think it's just kind of trying to show a little bit to us about his lack of leadership really well and since it seems like Lester, a.k.a. Harlan, came to attack because his friends, most notably Victor, were being attacked. If 
the sparrows had just come in and talked like Victor wanted, right? Probably wouldn't have happened. So really, it's all Ben's fault. Let's just blame Ben. That's well, you know, and I think again, we've talked a little bit about how Ben really just wants to be accepted, and you know, feels like he's less than. I think this is you know just snowballing into that feeling for him. Like, and this was something. I had mentioned last episode about wanting to kind of track whether or not I thought there were any correlations between the sparrows and the Mm. Umbrella Academy. And I do feel like this, let's just go attack, let's get them from Ben, number two, was very similar to like what Diego was doing here. Like, let's make the Molotov cocktails, let's attack, et cetera. Whereas I do think- True to very Diego in episode in other seasons. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, no, this this tracks for Diego, um, and I mean like uh, even Marcus and um, Luther were both very much like a little more willing to talk it out, a little more willing to. Although that mostly is a season three Luther trait, because I think season one Luther would yeah. have been a little more a little more tacky. But yeah, and yeah, so Victor recognizes the old man as Harlan somehow. I don't know how, but I'm gonna guess the uh, vibes. <laughs> yeah, vibe check. Um, I was like, yeah, pretty sure that's that boy that I accidentally gave powers to. But I babysat that one time a while yeah. ago, like yesterday, but really also decades ago. <laughs> so I was gonna ask what your favorite song was from this episode, but mm. like we talked about, besides um, the one from the beginning. I have to scroll back up because I forgot what it was. <laughs> Do you believe magic? in magic? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There wasn't a whole lot. I mean, there is the sequence with Luther making the mixtape where there's a lot of songs mentioned. Uh, they talk about whether or not Lionel Richie is cool. I have to say uh, the dancing on the ceiling music video blew my mind as a child because it was also very similar to singing in the rain uh-huh. in there's dancing on the walls so i was like oh my gosh they made yeah. it from the wall to the ceiling what the heck is happening uh and then i was also like really flabbergasted when i learned that nicole richie was lionel richie's daughter i was just like whoa whoa so this episode took me back back to all of that uh but i would say like my favorite musical moment was luther singing lady in red <laughs> by himself yeah that's another good one that's another good one um i saw that you had posted in the discord the uh behind the scenes tiktok mm. making of, of of the footloose battle if you haven't checked that out that's really cool uh yeah, just really shows it, like that's the one downside of tv right when they do the editing of multi-cameras you can't always see all of the steps like i always say that when they film musicals like with when they you know filmed uh, Hamilton and put that on Disney Plus. It's mm-hmm. like I wish they had just put the camera in one spot and like let me watch it because you can't get a full scope of like all the dance numbers when they're moving around and cutting the camera angle so much. But it was very impressive. Yeah, and they're making decisions for us as the viewer, right? Like, look at this thing, look at that yeah. thing. And sometimes when you get to see the whole thing, you get to see something hidden or just something special that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. But yeah, it's one of my favorite behind the scenes that it just popped up on my TikTok and I was like, Oh, look at you. Yeah. So something else I've been tracking, of course, Mm. are the umbrella Academy and Sparrow emblems that they're doing at the beginning. First two seasons, a lot of the openings, it was just an umbrella somewhere in them. Um, But this one on the commission video, when the curtains close on the stage where they've like recorded the, the play that they're filming um one curtain has a sparrow emblem and one has an umbrella so keep on tracking that (laughs) (laughs) i think it's um 
I think it's fun that they're including both the umbrella and the sparrow throughout, yeah. the, throughout the season. Because in this universe, they both exist equally. Yeah. So any other particular reflections on episode three in relation to season three? I know we went through a lot of them. I mean, it's definitely going to set up a lot of the storylines that we'll be talking about for the future upcoming episodes. So we've got the commission situation will be something that hangs out, I think, for a couple more episodes. The Lutheran Sloan thing. One thing that was a... um, like a result of the showdown for lack of a better term was the fact that Luther kind of um, tackled Sloan to the ground. And when the sparrows retreated, I don't think Sloan left. So like, I think Sloan is being separated from the sparrows. I don't know. I'll have to double check that on going, going forward. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one, but um, the whole Luther Sloan thing will be a thing uh, going forward. So yeah, it's just a big setup, big setup episode setup episode but you know it's still a good one we good talked one. through a lot of time travel stuff you know yeah. we gotta i know that people listening are probably like y'all gotta stop breaking down time travel but not actually coming to any conclusions you know what it's more about the discussion no. it's about the hypothesis i cannot call up albert einstein as much as i would like to i cannot maybe maybe klaus could maybe that's that'll show up in another in another season he gets to talk to al <laughs> we'll find out maybe All right. Well, that's really everything for episode three. We'll be excited to come back in a couple days Mm -hmm. for our episode four coverage. And, um, you know, that'll just continue through until we get to episode 10. So make sure you reach out to us in all the aforementioned places Mm -hmm. and subscribe to all the feeds or whichever feed that you so choose. Uh, I personally recommend the Umbrella-Academy-Feed feed because... There's, I mean, that's, yeah. our, that's our personal That's our feed. feed. <laughs> that's our feed. Yeah. So go check that one out. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to plug, Marissa? Uh, I just want to mention that this is probably coming out on the 1st of July. And the first of the month is always a great time to join the patron program, uh, mainly because you get charged for whatever amount you choose in its entirety whenever you join. So you might as well get the full month out of it. Um, so if you go to patreon.com slash recaps, you can get access to our discord. We are actually also, um, we have some exclusive podcasts that you can listen to by becoming a patron and you can get access to both of those things at any level of patronage. So we really appreciate our patrons and would love for you to join us. And that's really also where you can hear or find us talking about the show as well. So we hope to see you there other than that you can find me on twitter at mars bars m-a-r-z-b-a-r-s awesome and you can follow me everywhere at frail mary and if you want to check out what i'm doing over at kowski cast cow with a k you can listen to our most recent riverdale episode that dropped yesterday as the day that you are listening to this if you're listening to this on the first day it's released so make sure you check that out we've been having a lot of fun with all the ridiculous things happening in riverdale All right, until next time, 